Section 81 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 112 London, May 8th, Old Style, 1750 My dear friend, At your age the love of pleasantries is extremely natural, and the enjoyment of them not unbecoming. But the danger at your age is mistaking the object, and setting out wrong in the pursuit. The character of a man of pleasure dazzles young eyes. They do not see their way to it distinctly, and fall into vice and profligacy. I remember a strong instance of this a great many years ago. A young fellow, determined to shine as a man of pleasure, was at the play called The Libertine Destroyed, a translation of Le Festin de Pierre of Moliere's. He was so struck with what he thought the fine character of the libertine, that he swore he would be the libertine destroyed. Some friends asked him whether he had not better content himself with being only the libertine, but without being destroyed, to which he answered with great warmth, no, for that being destroyed was the perfection of the whole. This, extravagant as it seems in this light, is really the name of many an unfortunate young fellow, who, captivated by the name of pleasures, rushes indiscriminately, and without taste, into them all, and is finally destroyed. I am not stoically advising, nor parsononically preaching to you to be a stoic at your age. Far from it. I am pointing out to you the paths to pleasures, and am endeavouring only to quicken and heighten them for you. Enjoy pleasures, but let them be your own, and then you will taste them. But adopt none. Trust to nature for genuine ones. The pleasures that you will feel you must earn. The man who gives himself up to all feels none sensibly. Sardanapalus, I am convinced, never felt any in his life. Those only who join serious occupations with pleasures feel either as they should do. Alcibiades, though addicted to the most shameful excesses, gave some time to philosophy, and some to business. Julius Caesar joined business with pleasure so properly that they mutually assisted each other, and though he was the husband of all the wives at Rome, he found time to be one of the best scholars, almost the best orator, and absolutely the best general there. An uninterrupted life of pleasures is as insipid as contemptible. Some hours given every day to serious business must wet both the mind and the senses to enjoy those of pleasure. A surfeited glutton, an emaciated sot, and an enervated rotten whoremaster, never enjoy the pleasures to which they devote themselves, but they are only so many sacrifices to false gods. The pleasures of low life are all of this mistaken, merely sensual, and disgraceful nature, whereas those of high life, and in good company, though possibly in themselves not more moral, are more delicate, more refined, less dangerous, and less disgraceful, and in the common course of things, not reckoned disgraceful at all. In short, pleasure must not, nay, cannot, be the business of a man of sense and character, but it may be, and is, his relief, his reward. It is particularly so with regard to the women, who have the utmost contempt for those men, that having no character nor consideration with their own sex, frivolously pass their whole time in rule and at toilette. They look upon them as their lumber, and remove them whenever they can get better furniture." Women choose their favourites more by the ear than by any of their other senses, or even their understanding. The man whom they hear the most commended by the men, will always be the best received by them. Such a conquest flatters their vanity, and vanity is their universal, if not their strongest, passion. 
a distinguished, shining character is irresistible with them. They crowd too, nay, they even quarrel for the danger in hopes of the triumph. Though, by the way, to use a vulgar expression, she who conquers only catches a tartar, and becomes the slave of her captive. Mais c'est la lure faire. Divide your time between useful occupations and elegant pleasures. The morning seems to belong to study, business, or serious conversations with men of learning and figure, not that I exclude an occasional hour at a toilette. From sitting down to dinner, the proper business of the day is pleasure, unless real business, which must never be postponed for pleasure, happens accidentally to interfere. In good company, the pleasures of the table are always carried to a certain point of delicacy and gratification, but never to excess and riot. Plays, operas, balls, suppers, gay conversations in polite and cheerful companies, properly conclude the evenings, not to mention the tender looks that you may direct, and the sighs that you may offer, upon these several occasions, to some propitious or unpropitious female deity, whose character and manners will neither disgrace nor corrupt yours. This is the life of a man of real sense and pleasure, and by this distribution of your time, and choice of your pleasures, you will be equally qualified for the busy, or the beau monde. You see I am not rigid, and do not require that you and I should be of the same age. What I say to you, therefore, should have the more weight, as coming from a friend, not a father. But low company, and their low vices, their indecent riots and profligacy, I never will bear nor forgive. I have lately received two volumes of treaties, in German and Latin, from Hawkins, with your orders, under your own hand, to take care of them for you, which orders I shall most dutifully and punctually obey, and they wait for you in my library, together with your great collection of rare books, which your mamma sent me upon removing from her old house. I hope you not only keep up, but improve in your German, for it will be of great use to you when you come into business, and the more so, as you will be almost the only Englishman who can either speak or understand it. Pray speak it constantly to all Germans, wherever you meet them, and you will meet multitudes of them at Paris. Is Italian now become easy and familiar to you? Can you speak it with the same fluency that you can speak German? You cannot conceive what an advantage it will give you in negotiations to possess Italian, German, and French perfectly, so as to understand all the force and finesse of those three languages. If two men of equal talents negotiate together, he who best understands the language in which the negotiation is carried on, will infallibly get the better of the other. The signification and force of one single word is often of great consequence in a treaty, and even in a letter. Remember the graces, for without them, Agni Fatica Ivana. Adieu. End of section 81. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.